What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. and welcome to episode 405 of the Battery of Power podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is a Sunday evening here. It's June 25th, and I'm joined, as I usually am, by my friend, my colleague, confidant, Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, Brad. I'm doing well. I think like everybody who watched this weekend series in Cincinnati, we could all probably use for a little mental breather from baseball. (laughs) Those were about three high intensity, high drama games you're going to get in the final week of June. And I'm sure the flight home from Cincinnati to Atlanta is a lot of fun right now. Great week for the Braves. And really, as we reach the midway point in the season, the team just continues to roll. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. We'll get into some detail about the weekend series because that just happened in the last three days. But uh, the final collective score across three days was 24-23 in favor of the Braves, who also won two out of those three games. And uh, it was memorable along the way. It was pretty scary on Sunday. If you were a Braves fan, they nearly blew that one, but they were able to hold on for dear life down the end to win the series and uh, at their 50th win of the season. In fact, I want to start there. You mentioned the halfway point. They're almost there. By the time we talk again uh, next Sunday in this space, uh, the Braves will be past the halfway point. So it's kind of our, I guess, general on the on the flagship show time to talk about the halfway point. Uh, 50 wins, a nice round number to give us some content here as well. 50 and 27. They're on 105 win pace. That is obviously quite good. Um, and the month of June has been ludicrous. They lost their first game in June. And uh, since then, they're 17 and 3 in the last 20 games, including 10 and 1 in the last 11 and the only loss was a one run loss in Cincinnati on Friday over that 11 game sample size. Uh, Scott, does it feel like this is what's happening? Cause I mean, obviously they've been, they've been red hot. We're all, we're all kind of rolling in it right now. Everybody's having fun in terms of the way they're playing at the moment, but uh, it feels sustainable on some level, but also there's the pitching side, broadly speaking, where's your head at with this run? Because they're obviously putting up some pretty big numbers right now. Yeah. The lineup is just, it's carrying them just about every single night. And that's why it feels real and sustainable to me because there is so much depth in this lineup. And really they have 10 guys who are playing regular, maybe even 11, if you want to add Kevin Pillar in there as well, that, that top 11 is just mashing. And as we've seen, even if a guy like say Austin Riley has cooled down a bit, you have other guys like Eddie Rosario, just crushing the baseball. And I guarantee you at some point this summer, it's going to be flipped, right? Austin Riley will be on a heater and he'll be carrying some guys who are down or maybe running into some bad luck. So the lineup feels fantastic. And the pitching staff has been good enough. And the fact that you've basically been without Max Freed, the runner-up in the Cy Hung Award last year, 
You've basically been without Freed for all of the year. You've been without Kyle Wright for all of the year. And guys in the bullpen like Rysel Iglesias seem like they're continuing to get up to speed after uh, an injury to start the year. You know, it, it really is impressive when you take a step back and see that first to 50 teams or 50 wins, like you mentioned, and they, they've just done a great job handling business in the division. In particular, we're going to talk about the Philly series here in a little bit. But as the Braves have done during this five-year division run, they've really done a nice job against the NL East and have another opportunity later this upcoming week to to keep doing it. Yeah, and at, at the moment that we're recording this podcast, it is, uh, it's going to change in a second because Arizona is probably going to win. But even if they do, the Braves will have a four-game lead on the entire National League, um, six games on the East, but four games on the rest of the National League. Only Tampa Bay is kind of in their stratosphere right now, and they are, of course, in the opposite league. So a lot of positivity, of course. Their last you know, 50-50 wins is pretty crazy. Uh, it's a reminder. Every once in a while, we have to do this, Scott. Uh, when they won the World Series two years ago, they were 50 and 52 when they got their 50th win that year. Wow. Uh, that's a little bit different than 50 and 27. <laughs> that is a that is a great pull. And that really does. I mean, just another amazing little nugget of that World Series championship team. Um, it feels like a lifetime ago. It does. Just with the crazy comeback in the East last year. And then this season has been a ton of fun. Um, yeah. Wow. That That's a great pull. 50 and 52 on July 27th, two seasons ago. And here they are at 50 and 27. And even last year, you know, they famously started pretty slowly, but, and they got their 50th, they turned it on by, by now, of course, but their 50th one didn't come till July 8th. So they're, they're about two weeks ahead of that pace and uh, all kinds of numbers to get into later on in the show. But uh, let's start with the, uh, I guess it was kind of a series because Philadelphia, um, they, they played the Phillies twice. Uh, there was a rain out in the middle on Wednesday, uh, pretty Interesting one. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you were following this along from afar, Scott. There was a lot of discourse about the uh, the lengthy time in which there was no no updates on the rain delay uh, on Wednesday, and then it was abruptly postponed at the end. Uh, did you happen? To, were you happen to follow this because it was it was shades oh, yeah. of the Nationals? Well, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, I joked. I was like, did the uh, did the Philly social media team misplace the the passwords for the accounts? Because just radio silence for hours. So it was great. Yeah. Yeah. With the time change, it was like, all right, yeah, we're going to get started here in about 30 minutes. And I made it home from work about 45 minutes later, flipped on MLB TV. And it was like, wait a minute. The baseball game was supposed to be happening. And sure enough, it, it did not happen. Um, yeah, very. Uh, <laughs> I know the weather is not perfect science when trying to predict these things but yeah it was a little odd on wednesday tough scene anyway the two games that yeah. were played the braves won both of them for their seventh and eighth consecutive wins respectively uh tuesday was pretty fun like pitchers side strider was good he's kind of found himself again i'll let you talk about that in a second and also a couple home runs uh from riley and olsen to kind of account for most of the run scoring um it wasn't always pretty but anytime you can hold the phillies to two runs and also just like you know be in relative control along along the way at times it was nice and that was followed up on thursday with another great pitching performance like Basically, they dominated with pitching in those two games, which was a far cry from what happened this weekend, but it was nice to see even in a two-game sample size. Yeah, I think my big takeaway from earlier in the week is just how much better Spencer Strider looked. And the Phillies have had some success against Strider in the past. It really feels like the only two teams that have really hit Strider consistently are the Mets and the Phillies. And Strider looked like, I mean, uh, of course, a pitcher is going to go out and say, yeah, you just take it day by day and 
no game is bigger than the other. But Strider really looked like a guy who was frustrated and took some frustration out on Tuesday. (laughs) He was really, really good. Six innings, nine strikeouts, no walks, and no home runs, which the home run ball was really what was hurting him in his prior couple of starts. Seemed like, as we talked about on the podcast last weekend, the Tigers were really just sitting on his fastball, and if he strikes you out with the changeup or the slider, so be it. And it seemed like the Phillies had a similar approach, and Strider made some really nice adjustments, continued to work in his off-speed stuff, and you know he gave up eight hits. I think all but one of them were singles, so you can certainly live with that. And even the one run he gave up was just kind of a bloop to nowhere. So I think of the Tuesday takeaways, Strider looked much more like himself and Hopefully he's going to be back to the guy we saw him early in the year. Yeah, you have to expect that. And I think no one was particularly like panicky about the way he was pitching before that. But it was just also good to sort of alleviate some of the concern if there was any with that kind of performance. Uh, we'll we'll leave the details for out because, you know, Anishal talked about it a little bit on the podcast earlier this week. And so did Chris and Steven. But uh, a good performance there. Uh, Elder pitched great on Thursday. He has, you know, been a godsend for them. He had not been pitching particularly well the last couple starts, but still um, back down to a, to a 2.4 ERA. He's a lot of one, one run in the last 13 innings. Elder has been just huge. Uh, and we talked about it before, but it really is worth remembering again amid stuff like Jared Schuster not pitching particularly well, let's say, and obviously the injuries. Uh, Bryce Elder being uh, very, very reliable this year, knock on wood, has been not a small thing. Let's just point that out. No, I mean, it's huge. And I think we played the hypothetical last podcast. Um, you know, if I told you a couple of months ago, the Braves would have gotten like four healthy starts through the end of June from Freed and Wright, would you have said the team had 50 wins? I I know I wouldn't have, right? Um, Bryce Elder's been a big reason behind that. And once again, seven innings, worked deep into the game, giving up singles. He's he's keeping the ball on the ground. Uh, He's he's done a nice job of of limiting home runs overall. Only two walks, which is also really important for a guy like him, and six strikeouts. And sure, he, he's not going to light up the radar gun the way a Spencer Strider does, but his slider this year, talking about Elder, Elder's slider was just so, so good. It's been his go-to pitch all season long, and guys just can't lay off of it. And it's been a weapon. It's really been fun to see him progress. We know that in the final month of 2022, Elder looked like a guy who had made some strides, but admittedly, he was facing... The, the Marlins and the Nationals, two lineups that were not very good. But here we are midway through the season, and he's faced good lineups and bad, and he's been really consistent. And you talk about first-half MVPs for this team. Sure, Ronald Acuna Jr. Is, is probably been the MVP of the league. Guys like Sean Murphy, Matt Olson, Orlando Arcia. But on the pitching side, at least for me, Bryce Elder is unquestionably the pitching MVP for the way he's really stepped up and without freed and right in the rotation. It is absolutely wild, but you're right. He's the fact that he has been, this sounds crazy. He has been better than special Strider so far this year. Now Strider is a better pitcher. I think we're all pretty confident in that. And uh, you know, the peripherals are better for Strider than they are for elder. But as far as like production, ERA, however you want to do that. Elder's been better, which is crazy. Uh, but uh, here we are. Uh, the other thing worth, that's worth noting before we get to a break and talk about the Red Series more is that Sean Murphy uh, pinch hit on Thursday. 
It was his first appearance since since Saturday. We, we, t- we talked about this last week on the show, but he had the injury scare. They thought he might be able to go on the IL. If that didn't happen, that was obviously positive. But they were taking it slow with him for good reason. He ends up pinch hitting on Thursday and didn't catch until Sunday. But he looked fine today, by all accounts. And uh, you know, I was following along after the game to all the comments. No one seemed to be particularly worried about him. So it seems like all is well there. But I circled that like, okay, he hit. Can he catch? And he finally caught on Sunday. So I think it's we're uh, well, relatively safe to point this out, but he's back and uh, seemingly yeah. fine. Yeah, great sign. And again, the luxury of having Travis Darno as your backup catcher <laughs> is unbelievable. He is. He's so good. He's so good. Yeah, it's just such an enviable position. And we saw it earlier in the year as well when Darno had the concussion. The Braves probably could have rushed him back even quicker than they did. It took a full month to allow Darno to really get his legs underneath him and make sure he was 100% free of the concussion. You have Sean Murphy out there every day, and this time it was roles reversed. Murphy got a couple of days off, which I do not hate at all, especially at this point in the season. Keep him fresh. Keep Darno fresh. And it was great to have Sean out there on Sunday. Had a couple of hits. Had an opportunity to run the bases a few times as well. Jim sure was a nice just you know, breaking through the mental barrier of having to really push it on the base paths. Uh, yeah, good to have Sean back. And again, just that catching situation in Atlanta is phenomenal. I know we are a meme of ourselves at this point about, about the catchers and I'll, I'll own that. But one final thing here on the Darno thing, because you're hundred percent right. He would be a top 15 probably catcher in all of baseball. He's their backup. Uh, Travis Darno, uh, with the injury you mentioned and the absence 31 games played, not, not a ton, but has a 126 WRC plus. And has been already worth about a win on Fangraphs this this season, slugging almost 500. If that's your number two catcher, like what are we even doing here? He's uh, he's yeah. basically an elite player who's not playing most of the time. It's it's absolutely wild. Yeah, statistically speaking, Murphy has been arguably oh, yeah. the best wild. catcher in baseball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe Will Smith with the Dodgers is up there too. Smith is a heck of a player, but at worst, Sean Murphy is the second best catcher in the game right now. I guess JT Real Muto is up there too. But regardless, the fact that Murphy can miss a week and you really don't feel it at all in this lineup because Darno is going so well, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, man. Uh, strong agree. I'm trying to find the number. Yeah. So Murphy, as of today, leads Major League Baseball among catchers in Fangraphs War uh, 3.1 which means he's on pace for like a six and a half win season. Uh, that is obviously outstanding all-star level um, beyond that performance. So yeah, him and Will Smith, and I guess Jonah Heim has been ridiculous for the Raiders this year. Anyway, yeah. uh, it's you a very got... short list. Uh, Adley <laughs> Rushman, maybe you throw in, but uh, yeah, there's a couple guys yeah. out there. But yeah. if, uh, if listeners have not heard about the Texas Rangers, that is a wild team. I don't know how they're doing it. Um, maybe it's real, maybe it's not. But regardless, yes, Sean Murphy, very good. Didn't mean to cut you off, Brad. <laughs> no, yeah. you're good. That was a that was a good way to put that because uh, I think we don't talk about a ton of stuff in the American League. But in addition, to, I think we've mentioned the Rays a few times because they're just so far ahead of the pack. But the Rangers are perhaps the most shocking story in some ways. Not that they were supposed to be bad because they weren't, but the fact that they have a run differential like they have and they've been uh, they've been fantastic this year. So that's uh, worth at least a little hat tip as people that enjoy even non-Braves baseball like you and I do. All right, let's take a break. to hear from our sponsors for a second and when we come back, we'll talk about the Red Series and it was a lot of fun and we'll talk about the week to come for the Braves and more. Hold on tight. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. 
because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Scott, let's flip it over to the Red Series the Braves did lose a game this week, and it was Friday. I think we all on Battery Power, at least you and me and Steven and Chris and others, all tweeted some, ver- uh, Demetrius, some version of that was an awesome baseball game. And, uh, you know, some of the diehards didn't like, didn't like to hear that. But look, the Braves lost. I get it. That was a – they were all great games this weekend, but that was, like, really, like, an all-timer as far as, like, a game in June. It was absolutely wild. And the Braves did lose. It was the 12th straight win for the Reds. That is a sentence that I didn't think I would be saying anytime soon. Um, I mean, what do you even say about that game? Obviously, not, not the best result. Braves were up 5 nothing and blew it, which is unfortunate. But uh, every haymaker possible on Friday. Yeah, that was a ton of fun. I mean, one of the best baseball games of the season. And yeah, it was a bummer the Braves lost. But just from a, a baseball fan perspective, just a great game, a great series. All three games had a ton of drama. And really just two quick thoughts. I thought the Cincinnati Reds fans were awesome all weekend long. There were also a ton of Braves fans at Great American Ballpark. So it made for a great environment, great atmosphere. And man, if I am the Cincinnati Reds ownership in front office, I would probably have a check in my hand for Ellie De La Cruz every single time he walks into the clubhouse and see if he'll eventually sign an Acuna-like extension or a Wander Franco-type extension because that kid is unbelievable. I mean, I, I had seen a couple of highlight clips on Twitter or wherever it may be, and he lived up to the hype, hit for the cycle on Friday night. I mean, it was really as as much of a, a bummer as it was to lose and had opportunities to win. I don't know. I mean, it was just one of those games as a baseball fan. You're like, yeah, it stinks, but just a, a terrific talent. And the Reds seemed legit. I mean, I don't know about their pitching staff as far as making them a real threat to make a deep run this season, but the National League Central is not very good. That lineup is dangerous. It's athletic. They swing hard. They hit a ton of home runs. Uh, You know, the Reds were impressive. I wasn't too sure what to make of them coming into this uh, series, winning 12 in a row. Um, You know, clearly they have made some changes for the better in that organization and uh, they, they, I mean, they pushed the Braves to their limits like really nobody else has done the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, it was really <laughs> impressive. Is not is a word we've all used, I think, but it, it really was. And the Reds are playing fun baseball. I I'm sure you do as well. I really appreciate Joey Votto's perspective about baseball in general. Um, he's one of the you know more forward thinking guys, and he's uh, he was very complimentary of Ronald and the way that the game was being played across the weekend by everybody. But um, he talked about his own team too, and just the fact like this is a team that has a ton of talent. And they, look, they've been bad for a while. They were better at times, but um, De La Cruz is <laughs> that guy jumps off the screen in a way that you know you compare him to Ronald, like, and that's not someone that I compare anybody to. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have to be a pretty crazy um talent and prospect and player at this age for me to compare you with a straight face to Ronald Acuna and I would I mean it's, it's that kind of level of talent MVP caliber potential down the line so that's just one guy but uh they're up and down the rock I mean today for example we'll, we'll get to this in a second um Matt McClain just lit the Braves on fire all day today he had four extra base hits yeah. like that's yeah. just one guy but I mean up and down and Votto comes back he's their old head and he's like the you know potential hall of fame guy and he's you know he's not their best player anymore but um yeah the, their, their full lineup and all that stuff was a. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Pitching wise, maybe not as good. Obviously, uh, there were some times today that I I heard Brandon Godden and Jeff Rancor kind of poking fun at Cincinnati's uh, pitching staff, and I think they're right about that. There's a long way to go there, but the, the lineup is terrifying. Yeah, and you know, you do a, a quick survey of the National League, and the Braves are in their own tier. Uh, they are at the very top, as far as I'm concerned. But then you know, you look around, and some of the traditional powerhouses and big spenders are not having good years. Um, it's probably worth uh, we would be remiss not to point out that the New York Mets are 15 <laughs> games back in the division. Brad. That is wild, Fif- man. Wild. 15 games back in three months of the season. Um, and they they had a horrendous loss to the Phillies on Sunday. Um, but again, you know, the Mets, the Phillies have their own issues, a solid team. I think Philly ultimately probably gets into the playoffs, but you know, last year, I mean, they're the same team as last year, and now we'll see if they can get hot for a couple of weeks come October should they get in. Uh, the NL Central is not good. The Reds have a real chance. The Brewers are very average. The The Cardinals are terrible. Um, the Cubs are very average. And then in the National League West, the Diamondbacks are good. Um, the Dodgers are the most mortal they have been in probably a decade now the Giants are are playing well. The Padres have issues. They're below 500. They they can't score any runs. So you just look around the National League, and while I, I still think the Braves, especially if they get Max Fried back, are going to be head and shoulders above the field for uh, you know NL pennant odds or likeliness to get to the World Series. Now the Reds have a chance, and if they play in that ballpark and swing for the fences, sure the pitching could be better, and maybe they're able to make some improvements. But I was really impressed by Cincinnati this weekend. As was I. Um, so to, to the action, we talked. I, talk, I think I mentioned a second ago the Braves were up five nothing in the opener on Friday. They led again seven to five. Um, they gave up, you know, three had three solo home runs actually to get back within one in the eighth inning. Braves hit five five home runs, had sixteen hits. Every guy in the lineup had a hit. They still lost. Now that, that doesn't. That doesn't. That does not usually happen. In fact, the Reds only had nine hits, so the Braves out hit them pretty badly and uh, had, I think, close to as many walks. But four homers for Cincinnati as well, and um, the combination of AJ Smith, Chauver, and McHugh and Heller allowed eleven runs and got sixteen outs. I'm not sure if you do the math on that, Scott. That is not very good. Eleven no. runs, sixteen outs. Uh, that's yeah. how you lose. <laughs> that, uh, gosh, man, Jeff Rancor on Friday night kind of cracked that it was the great American small park and not the great American <laughs> ballpark. Yeah. I mean, Oh man, you get some heat in the summertime and a, a strong gust of wind 
And and the Braves had a couple of first row home runs as well. I mean, it's not yes. like the Braves were hitting everything out of the park Agreed. and the Reds were just barely getting it over the wall. I mean, there were there were balls that should be flyouts or maybe a double in most parks that were going out. Um, yeah, I mean, really, the, the whole weekend was just kind of that, you know, that mold of the ball just flying. I guess on Sunday it didn't carry quite as well. But man alive, that that stadium is crazy. <laughs> yeah, nevertheless. Um, so a more fun game on Saturday uh, for the Braves, a 7-6 win. They snapped the winning streak of the Reds that we talked about a second ago. Um, ESPN had this. It was the longest single season winning streak the Braves have snapped. So that as, as in like they snapped somebody else's winning streak since they moved to Atlanta in 66. So you don't often have opportunities to do this when your opponents won 12 games in a row like Cincinnati had, but a little bit of history. I mean, I, I'm not as old as that. Um, neither are you. So that is uh, a <laughs> not, not every day. Do you have an, a stat that says since 66 on, on your on your ledger and in the notes here? Yeah, that uh, that's a great poll from ESPN. Um, yeah. And again, you just talk about two teams that just were throwing haymakers back and forth and it felt like the Braves would score and then the Reds would come right back and then the Reds would score and the Braves would answer. I mean, just really all weekend long. It, I mean, there, there couldn't have been more than like one or two clean one, two, three innings on both ways, really the entire weekend. Uh, yeah, to say to say the least, it was a lot of uh, a lot, it was hard to watch in some ways. Also, really enjoyable to watch, but if you have a rooting interest, not always fun. But again, another barrage of home runs. Darno hits four hits on uh, on Saturday. Uh, did you see Ronald Acuna's throw? They got a lot of buzz. Yeah, that he, uh, that he heaved to second base. That was wild. You can uh, stick that up your OAA for yeah, your uh, all, all the jokes defenses. about his defense came running back again. It was good. We had, we had fun yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we have to talk about Schuster getting just mauled. Um. That was not a shock. And going back to you, what you said a second ago about the stadium, that is not a good place for him to be pitching. We all kind of saw that coming on some level. But Schuster is, uh, I think everyone probably understands that he's he's the weak link of the rotation at this very moment. Um, his numbers are not as bad as you might think. His ERA is five. That isn't horrible. But I believe, yeah, his, his strikeout-to-walk ratio is basically even. He has 25 strikeouts and 22 walks. And you you just you just can't do that. And we saw that we saw that come uh, sort of to fruition on on Saturday. I don't mean to I don't mean to pile on because it was it wasn't just him either. By the way, by any means in that game, <laughs> but it was also one of those times where like every single Braves fan's like, oh, by the way, he's in trouble today before he even starts. Yeah, and he was in, and yeah. he was in trouble. No, he. I mean, in Schuster, we we always say each weekend we're we're not trying to pick on him. He has been thrown into the fire this season, being down two fifths of their rotation and. He's given the Braves some good innings. I mean, he had a nice start last weekend against the Rockies. And really, for me, the way I look at Jared Schuster's starts is if the Braves can win that game, no matter how it happens, whether it's Schuster pitches well or if Schuster gets smoked and the Braves just have to outscore their opponent and get into kind of an offensive battle, um, it's a big win, right? He, he's clearly the fifth guy in this rotation. As soon as Freed or Wright get healthy, he's the obvious guy, I think, to get bumped out. But he's given the Braves in, uh, you know, as expected performance, and they've done okay. And we've seen with this lineup, um, and there's a, a crazy stat, Brad, I want you to hit on here in a minute. But as we have seen with this lineup, you know, the Braves don't need the starting pitcher to go out there and throw seven scoreless innings in order to have a chance. There's no. there's some real margin of error in these starts, and sure, you don't want your starter to go out there and give up seven runs every every fifth day, 
but as we know, if you can just keep the game relatively close and work a few innings to save the bullpen, that that's more times than not, it has been a winning combination for Atlanta. That's right. And you thought you referenced, um, I saw this on, on Twitter and it was double confirmed by, uh, by Opta stats and it's, there's some arbitrary endpoints here. So there's some, there's some convenience factor on these numbers, but this does not even include today where the Braves also scored seven runs and hit the ball. Well, once again, but in the 10 previous games, the Braves have gone nine and one. They actually had a combination of stats that no other team in history, yes, in history, has matched or exceeded. It was 116 hits in 10 games. So that's 11.6 per game. That's a lot. Uh, 82 runs, 8.2 per game, 29 home runs in 10 games, and 11 stolen bases. Again, no one, no team in history has ever done that. And I, I, haven't, I haven't seen an update through through today or 11 games. Maybe it's still exactly that same thing again. But once again, anytime that you can do something that's never happened before in Major League Baseball with the volume of games and teams and years and data that is out there, uh, it's not nothing. It's not it's not completely insane. Like, again, maybe there's the arbitrary endpoint of the uh, of the stolen bases on there. That maybe uh, maybe maybe to, uh, changes things a little bit. But uh, needless to say, averaging almost 12 hits and more than eight runs per game over a 10 game sample is pretty good. Yeah, it's it just wild. Um, I pulled the numbers in the month of June, or actually rather over the last 30 days. So going towards the end of May, as a team, the Braves are hitting 298. 298 is the team batting average over the last 30 games, which shakes out to like 26 or 27 games. They've averaged something like six and a half runs. Um, they lead Major League Baseball in home runs by a mile. Um, OPS, quite obviously, they lead by a mile. Uh, it really is just some of these numbers. You mentioned anytime you do something for the first time in MLB history, we're, we're talking like 140 years at this point of data. Uh, and I, I realize the modern era is very different than when uh, they were playing in 1914, but those are crazy, crazy numbers. And I mean, every it, it just feels like every inning, it feels like the Braves, even if they aren't scoring, they're at least putting a runner or two on base and making life really difficult for the other team. So as we were talking there, uh, MLB.com has like the, has their live stats. So you can pull like for the month of June, the numbers are even better in June than they are in the last 30 days. As crazy as that might sound. Um, Scott, they have a 308 team batting average in June, uh, OPS of 927 as a team in the <laughs> month of June. Now, uh, pretty good. So second place, I won't, I won't have you guess who it is. It's, it's the angels who scored about 174 runs on Saturday. Um, the Braves have a 102 point OPS gap on the entire field in the month of June, 927 to 825. That is ludicrous. Um, that's video game stuff. You know, they lead, like you said, they lead in home runs and slugging and runs and everything. So yeah. it has been why wow. I mean, look, you, you can't allow this to always happen. I guess we have to say that contractually, Scott, as part of our as part of our bit to say, look, they're not going to do this every, every single month and every single week. But you, when you can do this while your pitching has been a little bit shaky, it's good timing to kind of just blast the ball every day. Yeah, I'm going to ask this question and we oh. did no research or prep. I can't wait. And I'm going to caveat it with something. But is I mean, is this the best Braves lineup of all time? Uh, so uh, the answer is I, we don't know. Uh, that's definitely the answer. I, I think I saw this. I want to say I even listened to it. Um, the battery power TV guys, Grant and, um, Corey talked about this a little bit, actually this topic, um, this week on their show, there, there's some numbers that say yes to this point. Now, again, you can't assume that they're going to keep going. And there were some, 
really good offenses that I think people have almost forgotten because a, they either were really young then, or of course, like, you know, the Braves were the calling card of the Braves was the pitching for so, so long, but especially at the end of that run in the nineties, they were really, really mashing the ball at times. Um, also they scored 855 runs in 2019, which I kind of forgot about. So I looked this up just, yeah. just now. Um, that is uh, a lot of runs, but uh, I think the answer, Scott, I'm not sure if you remember this team as well as I do because you're younger than I am, but uh, currently, at least in the modern era, the team that has scored the most runs, you have a guess? Before, before um, I, I was going to say, like, w- when Chipper and Andrew and, like, Javi Lopez was just insane. Like, I'm going to guess, like, 90, ooh, like, 98, 99, something like that. Yeah, so you're you're kind of close. It's 2003. So 2003, oh, okay. they won 101 games in 2003, and they scored 907 runs. Um, that is the most that they have scored other than the Boston Beaners days. Uh, that was that. That's the franchise. That's the modern. That's the modern franchise record. Of course, they lost in the NLDS. Uh, I was there. It was very painful. Let's not talk about that anymore Ooh, on this yeah. podcast. But that was a team that had. Uh, you mentioned Javi. Javi had a 43 homer season that year. He was fantastic. Yeah. Gary Sheffield, like in his absolute prime, raking. Of course, Chipper and Andrew. Oh, uh, Mark, I Mark, love... Marcus Giles was good back then. Oh um, yeah, yeah. They, and that, we're that, talking. Now. Yeah, I mean, we're we're also talking like the the height of the steroid era. I was going to say that later, but yes, that's hundred percent, that's hundred percent right. <laughs> that, uh, Marcus, uh, Marcus Giles. I think he was doing something a little more than just pumping iron after the games. The, how about um, this? The, the funniest thing about this lineup, Scott, now that we're, that we're so, we're so far in the rabbit hole is that, you know, traditionally you would think that a lineup this good would have a masher at first base. Uh, the first base on the 2003 Braves was Robert Fick. Oh, baby. it was probably their worst hitter. Like that yeah. never ha- that never happens now. Like your worst hitter is never your first baseman in the modern game. Yeah. He wasn't even bad that year. He was like kind of league average, but he was their worst hitter. But every single regular in the lineup had a OPS over 750 that year. So that's probably the comparison to this year. Like they just don't have any weaknesses. That's kind of the same as that as that group. Although I mean, Vinny Castillo was still pretty good. He was old by then. But yeah, uh, that's probably the competitor I would say in my in my memory anyway. Of for it's either this group. If they, if they if they keep playing like this, it's going to be this group that probably wins. But uh, yeah. that 03 team was a, a bunch of monsters that just happened to run into Kerry Wood at a bad time. There we go. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, Kerry <laughs> Wood in his prime. That was a bad dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a fun a fun uh, game to follow, I guess, over the summertime. Is this the best Atlanta Braves lineup of all time? I think be. it could be. Um, yeah, man. Just uh, Just crazy numbers across the board. It might be. I'm trying to do the math in my head. Uh, they're they're roughly on roughly on pace, I believe, by runs scored, which of course is not a perfect metric all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, in the end, it's also just that's how many runs you produce. So maybe that's a good barometer for this kind of sample size. Anyway, they are certainly on the short list for that. Um, before we look at, look ahead a little bit, today's game, uh, Matt Olson. We should at least talk about for a second. He had a heck of a week. Uh, four home runs in the series, including a big one today, probably the biggest swing of the game on Sunday. He now is tied with Shohei Otani for the major league lead in home runs. Uh, for all of the weird discourse about Matt Olson, um, he has 25 home runs, six in his last seven games. His numbers for the season are still quite good. Um, there's not really anything to worry about with Matt Olson, not that there ever was, but yeah, another big week for him. He was far from alone, obviously, as we talked about a lot in this uh, in this last couple of segments, but uh, he was very good in this game. Yeah, and ever since Matt dropped down in the order to fourth or fifth, 
I mean, he's been a different player and you mentioned four home runs in the series as, as much as I'm sure the Braves are jonesing to get back home and sleep in their own beds after a, a pretty hectic week. I mean, I feel like you probably have to drag Matt away from from uh, Cincinnati from all the success he had. I mean, he is a guy just tailor-made to mash in that ballpark. And with the big week, I mean, his OPS is nearly 900 now, a 136 WRC+. plus. So he's been great. Uh, Ozzie Albies has also been really, really steady in that number two spot. It feels like the Braves have found their lineup combo right now, and as long as they keep mashing like this, it feels like it's what they're going to keep going to. Yeah, no question about that. And, you know, in general, they are rolling. And having Olsen doing that really helps. And it's really been the entire lineup, which is, you know, obviously a good place to be. The only guy, I just saw this, um, the only guy in the month of June, the entire month. So we're talking about three and a half, four weeks of baseball. That's a regular with an OPS under 800. Now, 800 is really good is Austin Riley. And he's at 749, which isn't awful. That's like league average or better. So it's like anybody's been bad. Everyone's been good in this stretch, but Olsen getting hot at the right time. Eight home runs this month. Eddie Rosario has been you know, outstanding. I will shout out Steven, our colleague on this podcast and also on batterypower.com for tracking this before I even noticed it even. But uh, this is from Steven. The first 57 games of the season for Eddie Rosario, he had seven walks, which is really bad. It's a really low number. Last 10 games, including today, 11 walks. Eddie Rosario just yeah. suddenly, suddenly he's uh, just spinning on pitches uh, every single at bat. It's absolutely insane. He keeps walking twice a game. It's wild. Yeah. No, I mean, he's he showed some really good plate discipline. You can see. Uh, Mar- <laughs> Mar- yeah, right. Yeah. Two eyeballs usually helps you see. Um, you know, Marcelo Zuna has also done a really nice job getting yep. on base. He's been good. Um, he's really for two months now, he's continued to hit. And when he had that big series down in Miami where he hit like four home runs, you know, it was a, it was great to see, but B I think it was only natural to go. All right. Well, is this real or is this just a good couple of games? And here we are almost two months later and Marcel has continued to really hit. I think he was up in the cleanup spot over the weekend as well. Um, So good, you know, good on Marcel, good on Eddie. Those two guys have really been behind this crazy offensive surge uh, you know, Ronald Acuna has been awesome all year long. Matt and Austin have run a little hot and cold. Um, you know, guys like Murphy and Darno have been pretty consistent, and Michael Harris has been catching on. But really, those two and then Orlando Arcia have just been uh, just such pleasant surprises with how good they have been, especially recently. Um, it just speaks to the depth in this lineup. And Brad, I think the one only downside or uh, dark mark, I guess, on the weekend was uh, Rysel Iglesias. Yeah, it wasn't great. I don't know where you're at. Um, I, I mean, I'm getting mildly concerned. He has been pretty rough for a couple of weeks now. He's still striking guys out, which is a good sign. But man, I mean, it seems like anytime he's coming to the ball game the last few weeks, it's either been a home run or a whole lot of traffic on the base paths. Yeah, I think I'm I'm mildly concerned in a way that I would be with any reliever. You know, we try to stress over this over the winter, even that you know you can't assume that any reliever, even a guy as good as he was, and he was basically the best reliever in baseball down the stretch of last season. That's how good he was. He's been good pretty much always the last seven or eight years. He had one 
shakier season with Cincinnati 2019. Um, but every reliever, every reliever other than maybe Mariano Rivera ever basically is prone to some of this stuff. And I think that there's not really a ton of signs that I can see of him just like falling apart, no. but he hasn't, been, but he hasn't been that crisp. And, you know, everyone knows this ninth inning struggles get magnified, whether they should or not, it's an emotional thing. And I totally understand why we all do it, including me, but when things don't go well in the ninth inning and your closer is not pitching well, it does not sit well with anyone. And I think that I'm sure I'm sure it's true of the team. I'm sure it's true of the, of the, of the bullpen uh, guy, uh, bullpen coaches and everyone down there and snicker and everybody. So he, him not being very good and particularly giving, giving up home runs um, is a little bit scary, but also I I will attribute it for now, for now, mostly to just random. But uh, if it continues for a few more weeks, then you start to get a little bit more alarmed, obviously. Yeah, I think that's fair. And the good news is while Rysel has struggled a bit, AJ Minter has been awesome. Yeah, he's back. Over the last month. Yeah, he had that really, really tough stretch for a couple of weeks in May. But really, over the last month, AJ has been full stop AJ Minter, which is a very good reliever. So I guess in the back of our minds, it's nice to know they do have a fallback if Rysel continues to struggle. Um, let's hope it doesn't get to a point where they have to make a change in the ninth inning and maybe give Iglesias some lesser stress innings to just kind of hopefully get him on track. Uh, but he's also a guy who had the shoulder problem in the spring. He missed some time and maybe he's still rounding into form. Um, yeah, I mean, really, it, it was the only, um, you know, I guess, thing to be concerned about this week for all the good that happened. Uh, Rysel has been a little shaky in the ninth inning and hopefully he figures it out. Yeah, I mean, obviously we talked about Schuster earlier too. Morton was not great today by any means. And I think it's always interesting to follow the discourse around Charlie because it was kind of funny to my, to me anyway that I think he didn't even pitch poorly in the fourth when he got dinged for the two runs. He got he kind of got babbipped in the fourth, but the rest of the start, he was shakier, it felt like to me, as far as like hitting his spots and missing stuff. The curveball still is disgusting when he hits it in the right places. But like, look... We were, I will say this, I I was higher on Charlie than most coming into the season. And even I was like, look, I think Morton's like a, a number three starter, which is a good pitcher, but it's not going to be like old Charlie Morton. And look, man, that's kind of what he is. His ERA right now is 3.18, sorry, 3.81. His FIP is 3.85. His XFIP is 3.91. Like he's a guy with, an, with peripherals and an ERA in the high threes. And that isn't great. And I'm sure someone is yelling into their phone right now about how he's making $20 million. I don't really care about that because if he just does this the whole season, he's worth $20 million. Like it's not, it's not sexy, but that's just, he's just filling, he's filling a role. He's not Charlie Morton of old. I think we can, we can all agree, including me on that, but I'm not particularly worried. Like he doesn't look great all the time, but when he's got it, he's got it. And when he doesn't, doesn't. So. Yeah. Yeah. His starts just seem like they're always a little bit of an adventure. I agree. (laughs) And, uh, but you're right. I mean, the discord would lead you to believe that Charlie had an ERA of five. Yes. And it's not not been that he has been perfectly fine middle of the rotation. And I think you have to hope that assuming Strider and elder are healthy, you know, then you get max freed back in a couple of weeks. Then Charlie's basically your fourth starter. You can live with Charlie Morton as your fifth store as your fourth starter for sure. Like no questions asked. And, and also because you don't have freed or right currently, you feel good when Strider's on the mound, you feel good when elders out there, 
Morton. I mean, ultimately, I think he gives the Braves a chance to win. But when the the bottom two guys in your rotation are a 20-year-old rookie trying to find it and really just trial by fire. And AJ Smith Shaver has been fine, but he he, you know, he's a 20-year-old rookie. There's not a lot of superstar 20-year-olds running around. And then Schuster, who we've talked about, when those are 40 of your 40% of your starts every week, you're really, really leaning on Morton, Elder, and Strider to be good. And again, Morton's been fine. He has not been bad. He sure the command has been a little shaky. I think just because of the current state of the rotation, the Braves are really leaning on Charlie to be fine. And I mean, he navigated through five innings of three run baseball, which is not horrible considering the way the ball was flying. But moving forward, I think you uh, just a little less drama in Charlie's starts would be <laughs> ideal. I agree. And yeah, looking at the, we won't do all of this now, but looking at the pitch tracking data, his curveball has been as dominant as, as ever. Like it, it really, I mean, the numbers are incredible. Honestly, I'm looking at this now. It's basically been his his fastball and his sinker that are not working at the same level. It's the, the curveball is still just ridiculous. One of the best pitches that there is. It's just everything else. So, and you can't live off that too much, but he's trying to, and he's uh he's got the craft. He'll figure it out. But yeah, I'm not, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying Charlie Morton has been awesome because he hasn't, but he's kind of been what I thought he was going to be like, you know, just a, yeah, relatively yeah. unimpressive. He's old, but he's a middle of the rotation starter, and that that can that can be undervalued or overvalued. And I think it's uh, depends on who you ask. Probably, I probably overvalue myself, but you know, yeah, yeah well said. No, I, I agree. <laughs> uh. Um, so we can leave it there for now. And obviously, they won the game today. That was that was very nice. Uh, we'll look ahead now. Uh, and just we'll take stock. I mean, there's six games up. We talked about that earlier. Fifty wins, all that stuff, and they do play the Marlins at the end of the week. But first, they have to play the Minnesota Twins at home Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The Twins are very interesting. Um, I, I, I'm sure that our listeners are not grinding on the Minnesota Twins day in, day out. They're basically the epitome of a 500 team right now. They're 40 and 39. They feel like it in some respects. It's good run prevention. It's not good offense for the Twins. And uh, I wonder what you think about them coming into Atlanta this week. Yeah, when I was doing some research into the Twins, I mean, I, I was surprised to see that their starting rotation – has been as good as anyone's. Um, last time I looked, they and, and the Phillies were basically 1A and 1B in starting pitching war. Uh, Sonny Gray, who has been a really solid pitcher for a long time, has been terrific. He's going to start against Strider on Monday night. And then Joe Ryan, very quietly, has been a one of the better starting pitchers in the American League this year. He'll face off with Bryce Elder on Tuesday. So two really great pitching matchups to start the week. Um, you know, as good as the rotation has been, the lineup has been very average. Um, they they have some talent, although guys like Carlos Correa has been very, uh, I mean, really for his standards, pretty bad. Um, they have some holes in the lineup. Byron Buxton is an incredible talent, although uh, he actually left one of the weekend games with back spasms. So we'll see if he's out there just so talented but the injuries man it feels like just every year gets derailed by injuries at some point uh and then the bullpen is fine it's it's not great it's not terrible um but you know again two good starting pitchers they're going to really get a challenge against the Braves at Truist um and in the American League Central too where they're of course playing a lot of their games I mean they're they're probably the best team in that division um the Guardians can't score. They're similarly, the pitching for Cleveland is good, but they they just can't score. The White Sox are terrible. The Royals are terrible. The Tigers are better, you know, improved, but not a great team by any means. Um, 
So yeah, should be a, a good series. And again, just a shout out to this new schedule where you see every team. It's nice to see the Twins and to see all these American League clubs that the Braves would go years without seeing. It is, and um, you know, obviously rematch of the World Series at one point. It, uh, obviously, that was more of a more of a rivalry, so to speak, back in the back in those days. But uh, yeah, the Twins are they're not bad by any means, and they're the only team in the, in the Central with a positive run differential, and they're getting you're, you're seeing their best with gray and Ryan. So um, a, even a two, one series win would be very, very fine and good for the Braves. Even at home, they'll be favored. I would imagine in a couple of these games, but you know, Ryan versus elder, we'll see gray versus Strider. I think Strider will be, probably be favored, but not by a ton. Gray has been really good. Um, former Braves perpetual trade target. I'm sure you and I talked about Sonny gray a lot on this podcast. Oh man. I have been a member of the Sonny gray Bring Sonny Gray to Atlanta fan club for at least five years now. We, we tried. A, yeah, we did try. <laughs> it was not for a lack of podcast effort that Sonny Gray never made it to the Braves. I'm upset at all of the front offices that uh, did not get that done. But anyway, yeah. uh, after, after that, they have Thursday off with no travel. A uh, a nice, legitimate day off for the Braves without any travel. Just get to be home, do whatever you want to do on Thursday. And then the Marlins come in. So the Marlins are... Still, after all of this, the closest team to the Braves in the National League East, even though almost no one buys it, they're still 15 runs below water, but they're 45 and 34. Absolutely wild stuff. We've said it like 10 times on the podcast. It's still the case. They still can't score, but they have good run prevention and they win every close game. Um, That's all I have on the Marlins for right now. What are you looking forward to with that weekend series? Because that's a big one all of a sudden. Not, 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 I should say all of a sudden. It's a big one in that the Marlins have not faded yet. If they're going to fade, and maybe they still will, they haven't done it yet. And at the moment, they are four games clear of the Phillies. So they're uh, by far the closest team to the Braves. Yeah, you know, the Marlins are clearly an improved club. They have played one of the softer schedules of anyone. And their upcoming schedule is really difficult. And they're going to be pushed. We'll see if they can continue to win close games the way they have. But, I mean, you mentioned their record, which is really strong. I believe they're in the playoffs if the season ended tomorrow. And that's with, so far, the Marlins have gone 1-6 and six against the Braves. Like, like the Braves have owned Miami this season. Yep. And the Mar- against everybody else, the Marlins, on a win percentage basis, have been up there with like the best clubs in the league um, so yeah, it's, it's an opportunity for the Marlins to obviously make a statement, but I think from the Braves perspective, as they did with the Mets two weeks ago, and then the Phillies this past week, it's really an opportunity for the Braves to put their foot down and put even more distance in the division race. Um, six games right now, the Marlins have hung in, they've done a nice job, but, um, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a pretty big series, right? We're no longer early in the year. Right. The calendar is going to flip to July. We're not that far off from the all-star game and the trade deadline. Uh, so a, about as big of a division series as you're going to get at this time in the year. And just a housekeeping note, because of the new schedule, because of the balanced schedule, uh, the Braves and Marlins only play one more time after next weekend. And it doesn't come until the second to last week in September. So the Braves are not going to see the Marlins for almost two and a half months which I think is fine. I mean, I like the new schedule. I like the fact you don't play 20 games a year against each of your division teams. Um, I mentioned the Braves have dominated the series so far. Hopefully they do it next weekend. But then, yeah, no more Miami for quite some time. Which is really weird, but I don't mind it. It is. Uh, it's better than, I think it's better this way, and I think you agree, than the way it used to be, where you just saw the same teams 
a hundred times. <laughs> like you feel like you saw the, the Mets and the Marlins yeah. every weekend for three months. So uh, I prefer this better, honestly. I, I, I can see both sides, but I think it's okay to not play them a ton. But you're right. It'll, it'll feel weird for it to be you know late June, early July and never see them again. Basically, um, that's well, a little bit weird. When you're in first place in the division and you can ask the New York Mets about this last year. Oh, yeah. But when you're in first place in the division, you do not want a bunch of head-to-head games with the teams chasing you, <laughs> you because do that, is that is far true. and away the easiest way to make up ground is, spoiler alert, if you beat the team ahead of you. Um, so it's probably not the worst thing in the world that there's not like a dozen games left against Miami. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, it'll be it'll be a fun series. I think Yuri Perez, who if fans aren't familiar, Perez is a phenomenal 20-year-old talent. For the Marlins and the pitching staff, I believe he's going to start one of those games. He has been as dominant as anybody this season since he was called up about a month ago. So that'll be fun. The Marlins always have good pitching. It's just a matter if they can hit the ball. Yeah, and they I think they can't, honestly, but I could be wrong. So we'll see. Um, yeah, overall, it's obviously a great week for the Braves, a great month for the Braves so far. A Not a breeze of a week coming up, but six games at home against teams that I think we agree are that they're, that they're better than is not the worst situation in the world. No, no walkovers. There, there are no, there are no Rockies on the schedule this week, unfortunately for the Braves, no. but yeah. uh, they are easy. so bad. I would still, <laughs> sorry, Rockies fans. Um, if there are any listening to this podcast, and I doubt there are, but anyway, uh, a pretty good spot to be in for the Braves. We, we can stop being uh, all gushy on this pod. I, I think it makes me uncomfortable. I'm sure it does you as well to be uh, super positive all the time, but this is a team that's earned it. The Braves have been playing incredibly well, and uh, we'll be, we'll be hopefully hopefully tracking Max Fried's return in the in the near future, and we'll get into that later on as well. The All Star break is coming. The All Star game is coming. Scott, I don't really care about that, but I'm not, uh, that's the midway point of the season is coming. The MLB draft is coming in a couple of weeks. The College World Series is happening right now. In fact, Florida scored 24 runs today. I don't follow college baseball that often, but that's a that's a big number of runs in a wow. World Series game. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I guarantee you know you mentioned we don't have any Rockies listeners, but I guarantee you we have some LSU and some and Florida. Florida. Oh, one hundred percent on that. And I have just just to be yeah. very clear, I have no allegiance to either side, um, Me neither. nor nor negativity to either side for all of our fans out there. But uh, yeah, no, I, that, that's fun. I'll I'll be watching tomorrow. I don't watch a ton of college baseball. I will watch the game on, on Monday. It's a winner take all for the national title. I will, I'll have that on. No question about that. So yeah, me too. Good sports. And right now it's really just baseball. Right? It is a lot of baseball. Yeah. I, of course I am buried with the uh, NBA draft and NBA for agency, but as far as on court on field product, yeah, it's mostly yeah. just baseball right now. So yeah. there you go, Scott, anything you want to uh, promote before we get out of here on a Sunday? And by the way, just take a look, let's just behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, there is a severe thunderstorm happening in Atlanta right now. And I lost power in the middle of this podcast. And I hope no one noticed other than Scott. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, we're battling the elements here. And where I am recording in Arizona, it was 109 degrees last time I looked. So everyone say a prayer for my air conditioner, please. Uh, we'll go. But uh, no, thanks everybody for checking us out. Be sure to check out batterypower.com ton of content you mentioned the upcoming mlb draft i know our minor league team is going to be all over that oh yeah Um, a big a big draft for the braves um with the front office turnover with dana brown now in houston um brown had some tremendous drafts while he was with alex anthopolis so a change of the guard at least in some aspects so uh will be very interesting to see uh kind of the draft strategy i guess the braves employ there's of course uh um uh, people far more knowledgeable of the inner workings of the draft than Brad and I on the site. So be sure to check that out and 
game coverage every single day. Any news? Hopefully we get some good news on Max Freed. I know he has been throwing bullpens regularly. Everybody is waiting on Max's return, and uh, we'll be back next weekend, Brad. Yeah, you and I are not the experts on that, but we'll try to defer to people that actually know what they're they're talking about with regard to the draft and share some of that content with you in the coming days. Batterypower.com. Also, please subscribe to this podcast. We would definitely appreciate that. Even if you do it multiple times, there's ways to like auto-download podcasts and multiple subscriptions. We're not above asking for a little bit of the gaming system to help out the podcast, to help it to grow. So subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. Thanks for doing this, Scott. I appreciate it. Uh, check out also the rest of our shows on the same podcast feed. We have the Daily Hammer with Sean. We have the podcast we named later with Stephen and Chris. All kinds of content coming in this space and on the website. So thanks for joining us, everybody, as always. And we'll see everybody next time. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.